begin reading at verse 43. It says, Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend, and they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. This again, uh, this is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. And that ends that passage there. We'll back back up to where we began reading. It says, Now after two days he departed uh, thence and went into Galilee, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. So Jesus uh, spent, spent two days in, in the area of Samaria here. He spent two days here. And like I said, we read there at the end uh, of that particular passage of Scripture uh, that, that the people were believing upon Jesus Christ because of the words that he spoke. This belief, uh, this revival, if you'd like to call it that, it began with the words of the woman that had met Jesus at the well. She ran into town, uh, ran into Samaria saying come see a man that told me all that Amen. I ever did. Come see this man. Come see this prophet. Come come see this Messiah. Come see the Christ. She had told Jesus Christ while they were there at the well. She said I know that Messiah will come and he will teach us all things. He will tell us all things when he comes here and Jesus tells her he says I am he that speaketh with thee. I am that the Messiah that Christ that you are speaking of I am he. So when she goes into town and she begins telling the people and then Jesus ends up spending two days there with people. If we don't read how many people were converted to an exact number but there was obviously and evidently a number of people that believed on Jesus Christ there in Samaria because one of the testimony of one convert of Jesus Christ and two because of the word of God proceeding from the Son of God. The very words that he spoke there are converts folks. If we are to be converted if we ever were converted it was because the word of God was preached Amen. at some time the word of God who entered into our ears it seeped into our heart and the gospel light shown itself in the deep dark crevices of our heart. It showed us how sinful of a creature that we are. It showed us the hidden things that spouses never knew, that children never knew, that parents never knew. It showed that Almighty God knew everything about us, that there was to be known God. 
tomorrow. I don't know what I'll do tomorrow. I know what I intend to do tomorrow. I intended, as I said when I first got up here, I intended to preach from the Old Testament tonight. That was my intention, to look where we're at in the New Testament, in one of the Gospels, the Gospel of John. Not there's anything wrong with that. I love the Gospel of John. It's the it's the, the, the easiest book to understand in all of Scripture. It's the Gospel of love. How could we not love and, and, and admire God and adore God for having this Gospel in His sacred writ of Scripture? But Jesus Christ, he leaves Samaria after two days, after a revival has taken place. Christ leaves Samaria, and he, go, and he uh, 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 go, goes into another town. It says, then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. Now, folks, we don't know everything that Jesus Christ did in Jerusalem at this feast. The scripture doesn't tell us everything that Christ done uh, there. All we know is that he's done some things and that people saw these things and that people believe these things. So don't dwell too much on that. Hey folks, I, 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 some of the best advice that I ever gave and that, that I can give anyone is be dogmatic about what scripture is dogmatic about. And don't be dogmatic about what scripture is not dogmatic about. Amen. It doesn't go into the specific details of what these people in Jerusalem saw. We need not dwell on these things. There are people out there that have, that have spent years trying to figure out who this nobleman, nobleman was. Trying to figure out by name who he was. Folks, if God had wanted us to know that, if God had wanted us to care what the nobleman's name was, he would have had John inspired by the Holy Ghost of God to write it in the Scriptures. Yes, Don't get lost and caught up in things that do not matter. Amen. There have been churches fall out over silly stuff. Tell you what, one of the greatest one of the greatest things I ever heard a preacher say. Some of y'all may may know the, the the debate, especially between certain denominations, of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Some people think it's going to be a thousand years. Some people think it's going to be longer than that. Some people think it's going to be ten years. My my Bible says it's a thousand years. And there's people that argue over whether or not Jesus is going to come riding on a white horse or not when Scripture plainly says he will in Revelation 19. Uh, One of the greatest things I ever heard. I heard a preacher say, I don't care if he comes back riding up the magic dragon as long as he comes back. And I agree. Who cares? Who cares in the manner that he comes back as long as the man comes yes, back? Hey, from Revelation 1 to Revelation 22, it says Christ is coming. Christ is coming. Christ is coming. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. It is to reveal Jesus Christ and who he is and how he is coming back and why he is coming back. That's why it's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't get caught up in silly, minute things that do not matter. Amen. Pay attention to what the scripture says. Be, be dogmatic. Be dogmatic about that. Now, folks, I'm dogmatic about the virgin birth. Yeah. You never convinced me that Christ wasn't born of a virgin. Right. And there's people out there that, that, that'll say that he wasn't, say that it was impossible. Folks, that's what makes it so great. It was impossible. It is impossible for any baby to be born of a virgin. It is impossible. And that's what makes it so great. My God specializes in the impossible. My God sent the Holy Ghost of God to conceive that baby in a virgin's womb. Had he been conceived of Joseph or any other man, he would not have been the sinless 
He Bless lost. Him. He was conceived of the Holy Ghost. That's what. That's what made him sinless. Not to mention he was the son of God. That's what made him sinless. Not to mention he was God. That's what made him sinless. God cannot commit sin. He cannot do these things. Right. So Jesus came again into Canaan of Galilee where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So this nobleman, he sought Jesus. He sought Jesus. Obviously the miracles of Jesus Christ. Now remember, this was Cana of Galilee. This is where the water was turned into wine. Obviously this man and this nobleman was from Capernaum. Capernaum was about 20 miles away from Cana, from where they were now. About 20 miles, give or take a couple. Uh, but uh, either way, this man comes seeking after Jesus. He came seeking. He had heard the, the, the doings of Jesus Christ. He had heard about the miracles, no doubt in Jerusalem. He may have even heard about the woman in Samaria, but I can guarantee you, he heard about the water being turned into wine yes. in this city of Cana that he was in right now. And he comes seeking this miracle worker from Galilee. He came seeking the one that he thought could heal his poor son that was at the point of death. This man, he comes to Jesus. He says, my son is at the point of death. Would you come? Would you come with me? Go with me, folks. This man had faith in Jesus Christ. He had faith that Jesus Christ could heal him. He didn't have perfect faith. He didn't have unaltered faith. He didn't have any of these things. But nevertheless, as imperfect as it was, and as weak as it was, it wasn't anything that was abominable. It wasn't anything that was out of the way. He had faith in the correct object, in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what matters. Amen. His faith was imperfect. Just like Abraham's faith was imperfect. Just like Moses' faith was imperfect. Just like Paul's faith was imperfect. Just like Peter's faith was imperfect. And your faith is imperfect. And my faith is imperfect as well. It doesn't take perfect faith to get saved. Hey folks, there was a lot about God I didn't know at the moment that I got saved. And there's still a lot about God that I do not know. Now my faith is not perfect and will not be perfect. But it was in a perfect God. And that God dealt to every one of us. Every one of us, according to what Paul wrote to the churches, wrote to the church of Rome, I believe. said, as God has dealt thee, measure of faith, thee, not a. If it had said a measure of faith, that could mean you got more faith than what I did. He dealt the measure of faith. God gives every man the same measure of faith. And it's where we put that faith. Yes, it's sir. what that faith is in that matters. Now that faith can grow. We're about to see that in this nobleman here. Bless that you. faith can grow. It can grow quickly. It can grow slowly. I recommend that you let it grow slowly. But folks, even the disciples, my goodness, after they had spent all that time with Jesus Christ, they had seen Him open up the blind eyes. They had seen Him unstop the deaf ears. They had seen Him uh, perform miracles, heal the lepers, heal the paralytics, and still yet the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. What else do you have to see to believe? Amen. There's a man in Mark chapter 9. His, his boy, 
This boy was possessed. In Mark 9, there was a boy possessed. And his son came to her. His father came to Jesus. He said, I brought them to your disciples. They couldn't do anything with them. They couldn't help him. They couldn't cast out the demons. Jesus said, oh, he, he of little faith. Speaking to his own disciples. He of little faith. He says, bring him here. Now, folks, that's a direct contrast to what we're reading here. That's a direct contrast. Jesus says, bring him here. Bring him here where I'm at. And the, and the father says, sometimes it causes them to stumble over into the fire. It makes them fall down and foam at the mouth. It makes them do all kinds of horrible things. And Jesus casts that demon out. But before he does, he tells the father, he says, if you believe in my word, if you believe in who I am, if you believe that I can do this thing, your son will be made whole. Your son will be healed. This demon will be out of him. And that father said, Lord, I believe. Help me. How many times have we not believed God? As Christians, I'm talking about as born-again believers, how many times have we not believed God? I have. I might be the only one to raise my hand and admit it, but I have. Since I've been saved, there's been times that I haven't believed God. There's been times that I haven't trusted God like I should. And if you tell me there's been times in your life that you have not called you a liar in your face, every one of us are guilty of it. Right. Every one of us are guilty of it. Yes, God sir. heal me of this. God heal grandma of this. Heal daddy of this. Heal my son or my daughter of this. And they don't get healed. And next thing you know, you're screaming, God, where are you? That's unbelief. That is unbelief. Praise God he don't just kick us to the curb when we do that. Yeah. Praise God he don't do Thank that. You. My God's patient. My God's long-suffering. Hallelujah for that. This nobleman comes to Jesus. He says, my son's at the point of death. My son's at the point of death. He says, <clears throat> says that he besought him that he would come down, that Jesus would come with him and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. And Jesus said unto him, except, except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. Ye will not believe. Now something interesting about this, this scripture here, and I, don't, I get into this more when I'm teaching rather than preaching. But it needs to be brought out. This word ye, I know the scripture says Jesus told him, speaking to this nobleman. But this word ye in the original Greek that it was written in is plural. Right. It's plural. Meaning not only the nobleman, but to everybody that was around there too. Like when I say y'all, it's plural. It means everybody in this sanctuary, or you all, if you want to use proper English grammar for that. It's the same way. This word is plural for ye. But he was speaking to the nobleman, and he was speaking to the crowd that was around him. Who would this crowd mostly have been? Jews. Jews. Paul told the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he said the Jews seek for a sign, and Gentiles, they seek after wisdom. The Jews have always sought after signs. Why was that? Because in the Old Testament, that's what God gave them. God gave them signs. That's all they had to go on. Now listen, they had the word of God. 
They, 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 they had the Torah at the very least. After Moses pinned it down under inspiration of the Holy Ghost, they had the law. They, they had the first five books of the scriptures. And over the centuries, they, they ended up with the Old Testament in its entirety. They had that word, but they still depended upon signs. Folks, my Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 that God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spoke unto, the, spoke unto his people through the prophets and through these signs and through other various manners hath in these last days spoken unto us by Jesus Christ. If you're waiting on a sign from Almighty God that he is with you, you may not get it. Jesus Christ is the last word spoken by God. Amen. So if you're waiting on a sign, be careful. Be careful. Right. And they they quote-unquote Christian denominations right now. That's what they depend on, signs and wonders. Yes, sir. They depend on the signs and wonders. They depend on miracles. They depend on these things. Now listen, my God still heals. My God still works miracles. If you don't believe that, if you're sitting here saved and born again tonight, you are a miracle. Yes, Folks, the parting of the Red Sea was a wonderful miracle in Scripture. One of the greatest miracles you can read about in Scripture. The speaking of the universe into existence was a great miracle that is in Scripture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego surviving the fiery furnace and coming out of it with not even the smell of smoke on their clothes. That was a a great miracle. Daniel surviving in that and with the lions in the den of life. That was a great miracle. But the greatest miracle in all of scripture is that the sinless, blameless, unspotted Lamb of God came here and took your sin and my sin upon himself. That's a miracle. Praise the Lord. That's the greatest miracle in scripture. Yes, that God would save me. That God would save me. I think sometimes when we sing Lord. Amazing Grace and we sing about God saving the rich like me, I think we just sing the line and don't think about it. We are nothing more than sinful wretches that God has chosen in his sovereignty and his omnipotence and his omniscience. He has chosen us to save us. He chose us to save us. He chose to save. He didn't have to do it. He wanted to do it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. As it was said this morning, he didn't just love one or two or this race or this, this group of people. He loved the world. Hallelujah. We made a way for the entire world, including this nobleman, including this nobleman who had very weak faith. This nobleman felt that Jesus had to be present. He had to be in his son's presence in order for him to be healed. Don't look down on that nobleman for thinking that. Don't look down on that. There's a woman we read about in the Gospels with an issue of blood. She thought that she had to touch the hem of his garment. And Jesus turned around and said, Thy faith has made thee whole. It wasn't her touching the hem of his garment. Right. It wasn't her touching the tassel of his robe. It was nothing. It was her faith right. that did that. Now, there's reasons that it's written in the scripture that it is. And there's very good reasons that it is. But it boils down to faith. And it takes faith like this nobleman had. Not perfect. Not perfect. Not without fault. But just faith and faith in the right thing. Yes. Faith in the right thing. How many people do y'all know? One of the saddest things I've seen recently, I was at a revival meeting a while back. There was a girl who went to the altar at the end of one night's meeting. 
And I heard that girl praying. Couldn't hear exactly what she was saying, but I heard her praying. And when she got up off of the altar, she said, I've still got so much I have to do. We can't do anything. And that's what I told that girl. We, we don't do it. God does it. Amen. God does the saving. And if she was down on that altar and something whispered in her ear, her ear that there is still something you need to do, that wasn't nothing more than a demon straight out of the pits of hell that was screaming that to her or whispering that to her. There is nothing that we do. It is of God. It is for God, for His glory. Nothing to do with you or I. Right. Salvation is of the Lord and the Lord is salvation. Amen. We cannot forget that. We cannot forget that. This nobleman, he thought Christ had to be present with his son. He said, come down. Come down to where my son's at. Come down and heal him. For he was at the point of death, and Jesus said unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not, you will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, sir, come down, or my child die. Jesus, Jesus just rebuked this man. He just rebuked him. He said, he said, except he sees signs and wonders, he will not believe. But that didn't stop the man. He said, come, come down with me. Heal my son ere he died before he dies. This man understood the shape that his son was in. My goodness, we need parents and we need grandparents and aunts and uncles that understand the shape that their lost folks are in, that their lost children are in, that their lost grandchildren are in. They need to understand that those children are not just sick. They don't just have disease. Those children are best with devils. Right. We need that attitude. That Syrophoenician woman I was talking about, she understood that. She didn't go to she didn't go to Christ and say, well, she's she's got this disorder or she's got that going on with her. She has a short attention span. She said she's vexed with a devil. She owned the problem that her daughter had. We as parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, as relatives, folks, if we don't pray for these people and we don't know what's wrong with these people, if we ain't praying for them, do you think the world's going to? No! We have got to be the ones that pray for them. Right. We're the only ones that will. Listen. We're the only ones that can. They might have our Facebook friends saying, I'll send, I'll send prayers right after I get back from the bar. Right after I get back from the dance club, right after I get get back from a third date with with however many people this week, I'll send up a prayer for you. Or my favorite, send them prayers your way. Don't send them to me. I can't do anything with them. Send them to God. Yeah. Send those prayers unto the one who has the power to not only hear it, but the power to act upon it. Amen. I'm about to get off track, way off track. Then said Jesus unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And no one said unto him, Sir, come down, or my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. Folks, this is, this is hyper faith here. This is hyper growth in the faith. This man believed just a few moments ago that Jesus Christ had to be present at his son's side. He had to be somewhere in the vicinity in order for his son to be healed. But Jesus Christ spoke the word. He said, thy son liveth. And suddenly this nobleman believed the word that Jesus Christ spoke when the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached. 
made by God. Thank you, Lord. That's how the entire thing was planned by an omniscient God before the world was ever created. When the gospel is preached, does Isaiah not say, or does the book of Isaiah not say, my word will not go out and return void. It will accomplish that which I sent it out to do. It will accomplish what I sent it out to do. When the word of God is preached, it will accomplish what it's sent out to do. It will convict the hearts of the lost, and hopefully it will comfort the hearts of the saints, the hearts of those that are already born again. It will help those that are born again. It will help those that have already been saved. But folks, it will hurt those that aren't saved. This book cannot comfort you before it convicts you. Right. It cannot do it. There is no comfort that can come from this book to a lost person. We can preach funerals till we're blue in the face. We can preach the most beautiful passages out of Psalms or out of Ecclesiastes or out of Proverbs at funeral services or, or celebration of life services, whatever you want to call them. We can do that till we're blue in the face. Those words cannot comfort the lost. They can't do it. They don't understand them. They don't have the Spirit of God showing them what those words mean. Right. They don't have the Spirit guiding them in the truths of the Holy Spirit of God. They don't have the Spirit to show them those things. Therefore, it can't help the lost. But it can certainly help those of us who are saved. This little one here. We see him go from weak faith to stronger faith in just a few moments. And what caused it? The words of Jesus Christ. Yeah. The words that Christ spoke, that's what caused it. And nothing more. Jesus, I read nothing about any hand gestures that he made. I don't read that he nodded at the man. I don't read that he winked at him and nudged him in the shoulder. It was simply the words that Jesus Christ spoke that caused this man to believe. He already had a little bit of faith. But boy, in just a few moments, just uh, just in a verse or two here, we see that spark of faith grow into a roaring flame of faith. In just a few, uh, just a couple of verses here. And it is because of the words that Jesus Christ spoke himself. Amen. Our faith should grow that same way. Our faith should grow... Every time God does something for us, it should increase our faith. Yes, sir. And it might for a little while. Some of you have prayed for loved ones. Some of you may have prayed for spouses. Some of you may have prayed for children or grandchildren or whatever for years and years and years. I know I'm a product of a praying mom. I know I am. And a praying wife, too. I shouldn't leave her out. But you pray and you pray and you pray that salvation can be brought to one individual or two individuals or to an entire family, whatever the case is. And finally one day you get that phone call or, or you get a visit from them or you get a text message or an email from them saying, hey, I got saved last night down at the meeting at the local church. And those prayers after years and years have been answered. Praise God. Hey, I got people I'm praying for now that I know, I know you understand. The shadow of a doubt. God's going to chase them straight to the gates of hell if that is what it takes. But my God will not give up on them for that is what I've asked of him. Yes, praise the Lord. My God's going to chase them. I'm positive of it. I can't save them. And I can't promise you that God's, God's going to, but I can promise you he can. Amen. And I can promise you. And I I know there's, a, there's some people I pray for. I feel like I'm the only person that does. I feel like I'm the only person who prays for salvation for some people. And y'all got people like that too. 
Everyone yeah. always got people like that. But, you know, I, I, me personally, I ain't going to get into no great detail. I was a lost cause. I was a lost cause. I hated the church. I hated the Bible. I hated God's people. I hated it all. But God got a hold of me one day. Praise God. He Praise got a hold of me one day. Chased me for three days before I finally gave in. I remember uh, this morning, I was actually shaving this morning. I thought about that. The morning I got saved, I, I was, believe it or not, I used to shave. <laughs> the morning I got saved, I was standing in front of the mirror. And I was shaving before I went into work. And I was arguing with God. He chased me for three days. Pinned me down for three days. I couldn't work. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. And I was arguing with God. And I was trying to get God to do exactly what, what Jesus told this nobleman here. Signs and wonders. God, if you're real, if I've been wrong all this time, you do this and I'll believe. You do that, and I'll believe. Make this tube of toothpaste raise up off of the sink, and I'll believe in you. I mean, I, I remember having that trying, well, I shouldn't say a conversation because God wasn't speaking back to me. But I remember saying these things the morning I got saved. All the way to work, I was, I was fighting with God in the van, you know, driving to work or in the truck, whatever I was driving that morning. I, I, and and trying try to say, do this and do that. He didn't do any of it. But boy, he pinned me down far enough. And he got me far enough down in that miry clay. And he showed me just how far at the bottom of the barrel that I was that morning. That I finally gave in to the call. And I finally got saved. Praise, Praise God the Lord. for that. Yeah. And that may be what it takes for some of ours. Thank you, Lord. Folks, this young man, this boy, this son of this nobleman, we don't have his exact age. We can assume that he was a child. I think I preached the last time I was here, maybe the time before that. Death's no respecter of persons, just like God's no respecter of persons. Death don't care how old you are, how young you are. Right. If you ever think that, that, that it is, you remember the first grave ever dug on planet Earth wasn't for Adam, it was for his son. Right. The first one to ever die wasn't for the father, Amen. it was for the son, yeah. it was for the younger. Right. You remember that. I, I, Missy and I used to do the youth group over at Booth Creek Free Will. And I told them that a couple of times. Uh, them teenagers that were over there. And I, I know what it's like to be a teenager. You, you think that you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof and you ain't going to die for another 150 years. Ain't nothing can take you out of this world. That ain't so. And it's biblical that it's not so. Right. It is biblical that it's not so. This nobleman's son had to be brought to the point of death. But what happened? What happened? And listen, hey, God sends affliction. We can blame the devil all we want to. You can say the devil's been after me. The devil's been on my heels. The devil's done this. The devil's done that. Who sends affliction? God says himself, I kill and I make alive. In the book of Hosea, it, it, actually, it actually comes out and says in Hosea, God has sent the inflict these afflictions. Why had he done it? So that he can bind up our wounds. Read it for yourself in Hosea. Right. Don't take my word for it. God sends affliction. Now sometimes we bring affliction on ourselves, granted. We do. But God will send affliction. This boy, this son of this nobleman, was brought to the point of death with a fever. But what happened? My goodness, read it again. 
Jesus said, If thou didn't go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend, and they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed the nobleman and his whole house. This boy was brought to the point of death, and I am persuaded it was to save this nobleman, and it was to save his household. Sometimes bad things happen to us, and we don't like it. I don't like it any more than you all do. I don't like being in the hospital bed. I don't like my wife being in the hospital bed. I don't like anybody I, I love being sick or being afflicted or suffering an ailment of any kind. I don't like it. And yes, I pray and I pray fervently that God heals, heals those things. He heals those people. He heals their diseases. He heals their problems, whatever the case is. Yes, I pray for those. But God, in the grand scheme of things, the God that knows the end from the beginning, He has a purpose behind it. He has a plan behind yes. it. He how he can use it. Who am I to ask him to heal something that he can use for his own glory and for his own good and possibly to save some poor lost dying soul from the flames of hell? Amen. This young man, this boy, was brought to his affliction, brought down as low as he was, just so this nobleman could be saved. Not only him, but his whole house. I want you to read something again with me. <coughs> About done. Bless you, Lord. <clears throat> and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. That's verse 31, verse or, uh, 51, verse 52. Then inquired he them, uh, of them the hour when he began to amend. They said unto him, Yesterday, yesterday, at the seventh hour, once again, that shows the great faith, the weak faith turned into great faith. Like I said, Cana was about 20 miles from Capernaum. He could have made that journey from Cana to Capernaum and depending on who he had with him, depending on what animals he was using, if any, four to six hours. He could have walked that far. He didn't even go home. He came to, back to Capernaum the next day. He stayed the night in Cana. That's how comfortable he was with the words of Jesus Christ. That's how comfortable he was when Jesus Christ said, Thy son liveth. That's all it took. Right. That's all it took for this man. He didn't even jet home to see if Christ was correct or not. He had that much faith at that point. He went from having uh, an insanely weak faith to having a greater faith than you or I, either one have. Right. In just a few verses of Scripture. In less than a day's time, this man's faith grew that much. Yeah. How, how, how would we treat such a circumstance? If, if we pray and God, and God puts, it, puts it on our heart, God gives us peace of mind, and, and, and we say, I think God's got this, I think God's uh, you know, going uh, to nip this in the bud, God's going to heal, God's going to make it all better, God's going to bring the funds in, whatever the case is, God's giving me peace about it. But boy, we're on the phone just an hour or two saying, hey, have we got the funds? Hey, have they quit coughing? Hey, has this quit happening? Hey, are they off of the oxygen yet? Is this happening? Folks, this man had greater faith than any one of us could dream of having. Right. 
less than a day he acquired that thing. Yesterday, the seventh hour. Listen, he didn't ask the, he didn't ask his servants what time. Uh, well, they came to him saying that his son was healed. <clears throat> but he didn't ask him what time he was healed because he was doubting Christ. He wanted to replay it in his mind. That's what I believe. Because folks, him spending the night in Canaan or wherever it was that he spent the night. Maybe he'd done a, a halfway trip and spent the night somewhere else and went on to Capernaum. I don't know, but he didn't go straight home. And the scripture backs that up. He believed Christ. He asked them to confirm it. He didn't come to them saying, well, at such and such an hour, Christ told me this. The servants told him that way he could go to his own house and say at the very hour that those servants said that my son was healed, that is the very hour that this man, this prophet, this Messiah, this, this miracle worker that, I, that I've heard about, this miracle worker that I went to Cana to find, that's the very hour that he said, thy son liveth. He yeah. done it as a witness and as a testimony to the rest of his household. And the rest of his household believed what, uh, believed in Jesus Christ and all of them were saved, praise God. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth and himself believed in his whole house. And this again, the sec this is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. This was the second miracle that he had done in the, in the city of Canaan. The first one we know him turning water into wine. And word had spread about that. Word had spread about the miracles of Christ, or the miracle of Christ. Wine ran out of the wedding feast, and Christ stepped in. Now listen, there, there's some comparisons here. There's some compar comparisons that we can make. There's also some contrasts, that, uh, contrasts that we can make. Uh, that make for a better Sunday school lesson. But either way, Christ healed this nobleman's son. 